Welcome to the Friends of Israel today. I'm Steve Conover. With me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. We have one of our good friends on the program joining us by phone from Israel today. That's right. We have Rabbi Shmuel Bowman. Uh, he was actually born in Toronto, Canada, but he lives in Israel now. He's an educator, a sofer, and the executive director of Operation Life Shield, a nonprofit organization that raises funds to build and deliver above-ground air raid shelters to Israeli municipalities to help save Israeli lives from rockets coming from Hezbollah and Hamas. Uh, today, we're going to have him on the program to talk about Operation Life Shield and the amazing work that they're doing and also that intersection that takes place between him being a Torah scribe and the work that he does to save Israeli lives. But first in the news, the Times of Israel reports that the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development ranked Israel first in a list of developed countries with the highest cost of living in 2022. The data revealed prices were 38% higher than the average in OECD member countries, Following Israel was Switzerland in second, Iceland in third, and then the United States. Well, here's my take, Steve. The the cost of goods is up in Israel, just like it is in America. We're all feeling the economic pinch when we go to the grocery store and we go to the gas station. But Israel's a bit different. Everything is taxed in Israel. Israeli taxes can exceed 50% of an individual's income. So why is it so high? Security. They need to fund a massive defense budget to maintain their military protection. There are ways, though, for the Israeli government to step in to help. The Knesset needs to do more to alleviate the financial burden many Israelis are facing today. Shmuel, it's great to have you with us today. He's uh, Shmuel's coming to us actually from Israel, so it's a joy to have you, Shmuel. According to your website, Operation Life Shield is an emergency campaign to save innocent lives by providing Israel's threatened communities with protected air raid shelters that they so desperately need. Now, for our listeners who didn't get a chance to hear you the, the last time that you were on the program, can you share about the work that you have with Operation Life Shield and what it does in Israel? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, we're a, uh, first and foremost, a response. Okay, we're a response to how to deal with terror, how to deal with uh, the violence that is coming from our enemies around us. And with that in mind, our organization really comes as a grassroots or perhaps as a grass tops response to the second Lebanon war from 2006, where we had in a 30 day period, you know, we had rockets, something in the area of about 100 rockets a day crashing into firing into northern Israel. And it was very clear that the dynamics were going to change. The way people took shelter was going to change. No longer running into underground shelters alone. Now we needed to do something a little different. And actually, we were called upon by what's called Haga, which is the, I guess, first... uh, what they called the home front command. I guess you would have a full front home front uh, that you would have in the United States. The people dealing with civilians and they said, listen, people are going to need to carry on with their day-to-day lives, except when there's a rocket attack, they need to take a break, run for shelter. We need something that's accessible, simple. And then after the 10 minute, you know, is passed, we can then go back to our daily lives. We took that on. My friend, we took that on. We, Chris, we stood in the gap there and we decided we were going to take this on as our thing. And that was, uh, what, 17 years ago? And since for the last 17 years, we have been saving lives, protecting lives, and bringing 
peace and comfort on a daily basis to thousands of Israelis. And when I mean Israelis, I'm not, I'm not saying Jewish Israelis, I'm not saying Christian Israelis, I'm saying people. Mm-hmm. We've got shelters in Jewish communities in Kibbutzim and Moshevim. And we've got them in Arab villages and Bedouin villages. Okay. Uh, we've got them at churches. We've got them at pilgrim sites. I just came yesterday from Southern Israel, right at a place at the bottom of the country where Israel meets uh, Gaza and the Egyptian border. And we're placing shelters for high workers, workers from Thailand who are coming here as agriculturalists, farmers. We've got shelters for them. All lives are sacred. And that's what we've been doing for the last 17 years. We've been placing bomb shelters because at the end of the day, that's really, that's what's going to, that's what's going to save your life. Shmuel, 17 years is a long time to be invested in one thing, to be doing one thing. Um, what's, you know, what's the one thing that the Lord has taught you in these 17 years? Did you think about when you started 17 years ago where you'd be today? Well, Chris, you know, God has a sense of humor, all right? So I, my, I come from the world of, of I'm, a, I'm a Torah scholar. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator, okay? And, and to go from that to pivot, right? You know, God comes, I'm sure you and your listeners, right, can understand this. You think you're going in a certain direction in your life, and then God comes along and kind of like taps you on the shoulder and says, uh, hey, Chris, hey, Shmuel, hey, Tom. Hey, Mary. Hey, Doug. Uh, almost, but a little bit this way. I'm just going to adjust you a little bit this way. To go, oh, that's what you're. That's where you want me right now. Yes. That's the walk that you want me to do. And for me, it became very, very clear. Chris, the bottom line is keep people alive. Keep people alive. Because all the, I get chills just even telling this just now. Because we can have all the conversations we want but if we're not alive in this world, we're not going to have them. And it became very, very clear to me that we need to first and foremost, I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you are. I don't care. I don't care what faith you are. I don't care. I care that you're alive. You're, 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 you're created in the image of God. God says the chaybachem in the Torah, and you should live by them. That's what God said, live, live in this world. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, that's, that's, so why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? Listen, my friend, I would love very, very much if uh, our enemies said, you know what, you know, you know, you're right. You're right, Israel. You really do have a right to live in peace in the land of Israel. We're going to stop shooting rockets at you. I would love for that day to come, my friend. We would have a lot of other interesting projects that we could work on, but that's not the reality. Yes. And the reality is, is that we need to respond, and our response is to save and protect lives. Can I can I say that it's interesting you brought up the idea of uh, you know I hope that there is peace. I want there to be peace, and but you know when our when our American friends. Uh, turn on the uh, the news. All they're hearing on the news is all about how Israel is making peace with Arab nations through the Abraham Accords. So, you know, it can be kind of confusing to hear in one moment we hear on the news all this peace that's being made, but then all of a sudden we hear that Israel is still being attacked. So what's going on there? Can you define that? And why is there a need for bomb shelters uh, if there's an Abraham Accord? What's Abraham Accords? What's going on there? Right. So the Abraham Accords is absolutely fantastic. And we have, uh, 
you know, we, we have friends, uh, some old friends, some recent friends here in the Middle East, and we are uh, developing and we are nurturing those new relationships. Bahrain, Morocco, uh, the uh, United Arab Emirates, um, you know, and we're going to see what else is around the bend. Maybe Saudi Arabia. We don't know. But in the meantime, there are there is definite possibilities for right for the children of Abraham. Right. Uh, to be able to come around that table. However, however, there are I would say this straight out. There are evil forces. OK, there are radical, twisted, demented, violent leaders and their followers who don't see it in the same way as our partners in the Abraham Accord. And yes, they also happen to be Muslim Arabs or Muslims, not Arabs in the case of Iran. And they are bent on destroying Israel. And they are not buying into the Abraham Accords. As a matter of fact, it's even, you could even say that the Abraham Accords is a, um, is a, a wall against right the, these forces, against Iran against Hezbollah in, 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 in Lebanon and Syria, against Hamas and Islamic Jihad, against the Muslim Brotherhood, against you know, ISIS. Okay, So there is this uh, complexity that is, that is out there. Um, and so why do we still need bomb shelters? We need bomb shelters because it's getting ever more violent. It's getting ever more technical. For example, we did not have this problem 17 years ago of armed drones. We have drones coming out of Gaza okay, that have grenades attached to them. Guess what? 17 years ago, we did not, ha did not have that. We have issues today that we're trying to, to protect Israelis from. In other words, the types of shelters that we're placing along the Gaza border today are actually for a, a, a form of an anti-tank rocket, okay? Which, uh, it, it, and I'm oversimplifying the term here for purposes of, of our listeners, but basically it is a rocket that has an accuracy, a sight accuracy, okay, of three miles, Three miles, which means you can pick, lock your target, press a button and shoot. And what we're doing is we're building barriers. We didn't even have this issue, what, five years ago. The type of shelters we need to build today. Okay, I know, for example, that we're putting shelters up in northern Israel, okay, that have to be 40 centimeters Oh boy, what's that non-center? I know you're That's, making my brain think now too. Oh boy, four. Okay, so a lot, very <laughs> thick, <laughs> very thick. Okay, but why? Because the type of rockets that are actually being right that are being fired are become more sophisticated. Once upon a time, Hamas would come along and sneak into Israel and steal a uh, a street sign, you know, those round poles, saw it off, run back to Gaza and take that one little pole and fashion it into like a makeshift little rocket and then boom, fired into Israel and uh, that was it. By the way, the media, especially the Western media, is still hung up on that as if those are the, still the current present day rockets. They're not. The rockets that are being manufactured from Iran, being, being smuggled into Gaza, or being manufactured in, in very sophisticated underground uh, rocket uh, uh, manufacturing facilities are sophisticated. They're, they, you don't need a human being to light the fuse anymore. They're all being set off by a cell phone, and they're setting them off in multiple, in, in multiple shots. So the type of shelters we need to have today has become ever more sophisticated and advanced because the weapons are being fired at us are more advanced. Shmuel, in the 17 years that you've been doing this, how many bomb shelters have you placed throughout Israel, throughout the Holy Land? We've done over 400, but the bigger question is how many lives have been protected? Yes. That's in the thousands and thousands. Amazing. Well, listen, we if, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Rabbi Shmuel Bowman. Rabbi, that's right. He's a Torah scribe, and that's why you need to come back at our next segment to hear more about 
that not only Operation Life Shield and the amazing work that they do, uh, but also we're going to be talking about the intersection of him being a Taurus scribe and his uh, his position as the executive director of Operation Life Shield. And on top of that, we're going to have our very own executive producer, uh, Steve Conover, join us as well. So be sure to stick around. Steve, for almost nine years, I've had the privilege of hosting the Friends of Israel Today radio show and serving with you. Chris, I love getting to create these programs with you and Tom. And to think that this radio program has been around since 1991. I know almost 32 years the Friends of Israel has been producing radio content. And that's why it's an honor for us to both ask you, our listeners, today to join us on the ground level to help broadcast biblical truth all around the globe. Whether the Friends of Israel today is airing on a local radio station or through our online podcast, never before has it been so needed to have the truth of God's word running over the airwaves. It's what I love about radio, that we have an opportunity for people to hear God's word. In fact, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Friends, we need your help to continue to produce and broadcast the good news of our Savior on the radio program and through our podcasts. The Friends of Israel Today radio program is actually supported by donors, listeners, and friends like you, which is why we need your help to share biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah Jesus to the world. Now, our goal is to raise $25,000 to produce and broadcast the program that you're listening to right now. So with your financial gift today, you'll be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth with trustworthy, uncompromising Bible teaching. If the Friends of Israel Today radio has been a blessing to you and you want to make it possible for all to hear, you can make a gift right now at foi.org slash radio support. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. And again, it's foi.org forward slash radio support. Welcome back, everybody. We are with Rabbi Shmuel Bowman, and I've uh, welcomed, of course, our executive producer, Steve Conover, in the studio as well, uh, because recently our executive director, Jim Showers, and Steve Conover went over and actually toured a town on the northern border of Israel called Shlomi with Shmuel. Um, and so that's why Steve is here to join us in this segment. Now, Shmuel, normally when we talk about bomb shelters, uh, normally I always hear us talking about the ones along the Gaza border. But Shlomi is on the Lebanese border. Can you share why Shlomi and other Israeli communities in the north are in need of, of the bomb shelters that you provide? Sure. Northern Israel has been relatively quiet, but it's a different dynamic. You're talking about two sovereign countries, Lebanon and Syria. Um, so it's a very, very sensitive area. You start, you're talking about literally sovereign nations. Now it's true. Hezbollah, which is a terrorist organization, which is a proxy of, um, of Iran is sitting with approximately 200,000 rockets. Wow. Okay. 200,000 rockets, uh, in South Lebanon. Um, we're now talking not about what happened in 2006, uh, during the second Lebanon war where you had about, um, you know, you had about a hundred rockets a day falling on Northern Israel. We're talking about the next war. We're talking about a thousand rockets a day, uh, striking Israel and not just Northern Israel, but throughout Israel, but Northern Israel is really going to be the punching bag. It's closest up. It's easiest to, for the, uh, for the rockets to get up there. It's also where the shrapnel is going to be falling as as they get exploded out of the sky. Then we have something called Iron Dome, 
okay, which is a, a rocket interceptor uh, system. I'm sure people know about it. Uh, basically, it's a wonderful Israeli invention that knocks the rockets coming at us out of the sky. It has approximately an 85 to 90 percent success rate. But let's look at those numbers. And a thousand rockets a day coming in, that's a hundred rockets slipping through the Iron Dome net, okay, landing in northern Israel, plus all the shrapnel as well. So that's what's going on up uh, in northern Israel. You know, it's true that right now it's quiet, but let me give you an example. If you happen to be sitting, your next door neighbor is a known mass murderer who Oh, less than 20 years ago, committed mass murder against your family. But now he's sitting quietly, but you know what he's doing? He's loading his weapons, he's sharpening his knives, and he's pointing at you saying, Chris, I'm coming after you. So I got news to you. You're going to build your defense system. You're going to create your safe room. You're going to make sure that your Colt 45 is armed and locked and ready to go. Okay. So that's the idea. That's what we're doing. We, uh, we hope it doesn't come to that, but listen, they are, they are rattling their sabers and we're getting ready. Plus it brings comfort knowing that they're ready. Children, for example, are more comforted. The parents are more comforted knowing that the shelter, there's a shelter at their kindergarten in case that day happens. And when it happens, do you know how much notice they get? Zero, yeah. zero seconds. The first warning is the first rocket. Yeah, uh, I, uh, Shmuel, I want to bring Steve in here because Steve, you, you were just with Shmuel in that northern border. Uh, do you want to share about your experience and what it was like seeing those bomb shelters that were placed in Shl- Shlomi by Operation Life Shield? Yeah, to be on the border of Lebanon with Shmuel was just an incredible opportunity. I really got a sense for how close the Hezbollah outposts are, and they're looking down on the town of Shlomi, and the they're building homes. Families are building homes less than 500 feet from the border wall. Um, and then at Passover, there was a, a rocket that landed right in the center of town, and we got to stand there. And I think what was so powerful for me was to stand in the place where they fixed the road, where the rocket had landed, and then to look not far on one side of the street is a synagogue, and to turn 30 degrees and see where one of the Operation Life Shield shelters was, and then another one on the other side of that circle. So what Operation Life Shield is doing, as Shmuel said, to keep people alive is just uh, an incredible work and uh, worthy of our support. And we then went over to a soccer field where children are known to play. And uh, we're going to soon have two bomb shelters on either side of that soccer field. So it was an incredible thing to see firsthand. And that's a partnership with Friends of Israel as well. Yes. You know, you know Shmuel, I hear, um, Steve's over here and he's telling me about Israelis who are up in Shlomi. They're up on the border. They are celebrating Passover. They're living their normal lives. You know, I think most Americans might go, why don't you just move? Why don't you just get out of there? Why, why, you know, why do you need a bomb shelter? Go somewhere else, can't you? Why right there on the border? Why would Israelis plant themselves on Shlomi right on the border? What, can you maybe share about the Israeli uh, chutzpah, maybe, if you will, <laughs> uh, to, to stay? I got news for you, my friend. It's not just the Israeli chutzpah. It's the Friends of Israel chutzpah. Right. If you take a look at your own logo, Look at the logo of Friends. I'm looking at it right now. The, the Friends of Israel logo is the map of Israel. And the map of Israel, which is right, the expression right, of the words of our prophets come alive in our day. Yeah. Okay? This is what it is to return to Zion. Zion is Israel. Okay? And, the, and, and our Zionism is defined by the land that we've done. Okay? So if the moment we get up and leave Shlomi and leave they wrote 
Okay, and what else? Leave Jerusalem and leave Tel Aviv. And where 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 do you want to wind up? Some little right, some little place. Okay, or as 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 uh, as the uh, Israeli ambassador to the UN, Abba Ibn said, you know, he talked about talked about Auschwitz lines. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. We're, that's what we're back to. And the idea, the Zionist idea, right, is to say this this land given to us by God, okay, is for us to live on, and that means up very every inch of it. Where we live, not just where there's an army base. That's the difference. It, 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 listen, we could have just had an army base in Metula and in Shlomi and in Kirit Shmona and in, in everywhere. The idea is where are children playing in the playground? Where are the elderly going to the community center to be together and listen to music? Where are parents working in their in their offices and in their factories? That defines those. That defines uh, our land. And so to get up and move means to say, you know what? This land isn't important right. to me. And that is absolutely contradictory to the Zionist and idea. part of the land being important to you is that you are also a rabbi. And I, I want you to share about this because not only do you oversee Operation Life Shield, but you're also a Torah scribe, which I just love this about you. And I'm interested to know how your passion for Operation Life Shield and your passion for God as a Torah scribe, how do those intersect with one another? We have about two minutes left. So being a Torah scribe is a phenomenal opportunity and it's a tremendous gift really from God to be able to literally transcribe the word of God. We're talking about Torah scrolls, mezuzah, Philan, and other sacred scrolls and being able to do that as we've been doing from generation to generation, going all the way back to Moses. Uh, and so to continue and to be able to write a Torah scroll, to fix a Torah scroll in the same way as we've been doing for centuries is a tremendous honor. It gives me that humility to understand that that I'm just a, a, a player in all this. Okay, I'm a shaliyah. I'm a messenger, just like I'm tra I'm transcribing uh, the word of God. So that's the same thing with Operation Life Shield. Uh, it doesn't take great heroes. For any of your listeners right now, it doesn't take some, you know, it doesn't take great bravery. Okay, it just takes a little bit of action and to understand that we are part of something, that God is commanding us to do something. So when I look, for example, I look at Psalm 91, and Psalm 91 really guides me on this. Okay, when it says, to, When it says, do not fear the terror by night or the arrows that fly by day. Okay, Psalm 91. And I often thought to myself, that's so strange. It's an in the imperative. Do not fear. Do not fear. I can understand a commandment that says, you know, don't eat pork, as we Jews don't eat pork, or don't, you know, keep the Sabbath or whatever. Don't, you know, don't, you know, don't kill people. Okay, I understand this in imperative, but don't fear. Do not fear. That doesn't make sense. And when I started working in opera, and I used to write this all the time. As a Torah scribe, you're writing Psalms as well. And then when I started working for Operation Life Shield, I realized, wait a second, I suddenly understood what King David was talking about. What he, what he, I think what he meant was, and God obviously teaching King David, is that when you take away the fear, when you take away the fear, when you place bomb shelters, right? When you place, you know, uh, ATV fire trucks. Like, okay, when you do these things and you take away the fear, you are fulfilling the commandment in Psalm 91. So the intersection between being a Torah scribe and working for Operation Life Shield is literally understanding that this work is written into the ancient, ancient verses 
that we've been given all the way going well, back I to Moses. I want to thank you so much, Rabbi Shmuel Bowman, Executive Director of Operation Life Shield, for being with us. Hey, listen, if you're if this is the first time you're hearing about Operation Life Shield, I want to encourage you to go to operationlifeshield.org. Again, that's operationlifeshield.org. You can find out more information about ways that you can connect with Shmuel through that website. Also through our uh, Israel Relief Fund here with the Friends of Israel, you can connect and give so that you can help plant a bomb shelter to help save Israeli lives, as you've been hearing from Rabbi Shmuel Bowman. Shmuel, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for the Friends of Israel today. And a reminder, if this program is a blessing to you all month, we're asking for you to consider giving a gift to produce and broadcast the program. Again, if you want to do that, it's at foi.org slash radio support. And thanks to Shmuel Bowman for being with us on the program. Chris, where are we headed next week? Yeah, we're actually going to start a five-part series on the Book of Romans. We're going to dedicate five episodes to walking through Romans to give a big picture of what, what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate, to bring Jewish people and Gentiles together in Christ, to share about the importance of the gospel and the importance of a Savior, and also the importance of supporting Israel and the Jews. Jewish people. All of that is wrapped up in the Book of Romans and so much more. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone, edited by Jeremy Strong, who also composed and performs our theme music. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Our mailing address is FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey 08099. And one last quick reminder to visit us at foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm.